0: Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Today's gospel lesson is from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 28, and then 33 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring pouring on oil and wine. And when he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell onto the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be
1: seated. We continue on this journey of looking to the prophets to provide us 21st century followers of Jesus Christ with insight and direction as we navigate the waters of this present time in our nation's history. What do you see? Prophets are the best guides because, as I stated last week, prophets not only speak about the future, but they also address the present and refer to the past. Last week we also stated that Israel's prophets were diverse. We talked about a seer, a diviner, a man of God, all considered to be prophets. And we also said that on last week that prophets not only exercised various roles, but could also even be, even act as priests. What do you see? Join me in a word of prayer. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, through this text today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart honor and glorify you. Amen. Well, Amos the prophet is a fierce champion of pure worship of the Lord God and shares the word of judgment against God's people, Israel, who have become a corrupt Amos chapter 7 is a continuation of Amos proclaiming judgment against Israel, Israel who has turned its back on the God whom they are in covenant with, a God who led them out of slavery into the promised land of Canaan. In chapter 5, verses 21 through 27, Amos warns the people of God of God's judgment unless they establish justice in the land. Listen to God's message. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never falling, failing stream. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings Forty years in the wilderness, people of Israel, you have lifted up the shrine of your king, the pedestal of your idols, the star of your God, which you made for yourselves. Therefore, I will send you into exile because of Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is God Almighty. Amos chapter 5, verses 21 through 27. In today's text, Amos finds himself in conflict with the religious order of the day. More specifically, the priest of the sanctuary, Amaziah, who has aligned himself with King Jeroboam. The priest, Amaziah, speaks against this prophet or seer to the king, The priest informs the king, and you heard it in the reading, of a conspiracy that Amos is a part of. There is an attempt on the priest's part to have the king not deal with the reality of the state of the nation, Israel. Amaziah encourages the king to live in a state of denial. In a recent article in The Atlantic, Titled America is in Denial, United States Senator Mitt Romney stated, and I quote When entire countries fail to confront serious challenges, it doesn't end well. During the past half century, we Americans have lived in a very forgiving time, and seeing the world through rose colored glasses had limited consequences. The climate was stable. Our economy dwarfed the competition, democracy was on the rise, and our military strength made the U.S. the sole global hyperpower. Today, every one of those things has changed. If we continue to ignore the real threats we face, America will inevitably suffer serious consequences." End of quote. I have a question for you today. What denial are you living with? I have to ask myself the question. What denial am I living with? What denial are we as a community of faith known as Evangel Heights United Methodist Church holding on to or living with? Yes, we want things to be different. If I were to take a poll and ask how many of you want things to be different in our nation, I'm pretty sure all of or the majority of the hands would go up. But do we really want to invest the time and energy required to make things different? There are those who may think, I don't want our state. I don't want our state to live in a state, our nation, to live in a state of denial. I don't want to live in a state of denial. I want things to change. The late Bishop Michael Corner wrote an op-ed in October of 2013. The article was titled, The Government We Deserve. And it states, my point is this, we can complain about the government, but we get the government we deserve. We get the government we elect. We get the government that reflects the unhealthy trends in our whole American society. What is the answer? It is to be honest about the nature of human sin, a word which we seldom use, even in church. We have to confess that we all are the root of the problems we see in Washington. We have to quit destroying good and decent people who run for office. We have to elect people who reflect the higher American values, and we have to pray that God will forgive us for choosing the government we deserve. God bless America is more than a bumper sticker or a political slogan. It is a prayer for help, and we need God's help in the midst of this mess in Washington, in Indianapolis, and in every town and village in the U.S., end of quote. Yes, Amos was a fierce champion of pure worship, pure worship of the Lord our God. And what we know is that worship takes place not only on a Sunday morning, worship is a lifestyle. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 reminds us of that. That we are to present ourselves as a sacrifice living a life of worship. Well Amos, this ordinary lay person and not a professing prophet or a member of a company of prophets, was called by God to speak a word of judgment to God's people, a word that served as a warning to change or else, or else face the consequences of judgment. As we look at this text, the first thing that we see is that God asked Amos the question, what do you see? And Amos, in essence, says, well, I see this plumb line against the wall. Now, There are some commentators who would suggest that it really was not a plumb line. I'm not concerned about what they would suggest. I would say to you that what we are looking at is God is asking Amos to see the measurement, God's standard. And how well is Israel in alignment with God's standard? The plumb line represents a congruity between the uprightness of God's law and the harmony of just social relations. When we look at this particular text, I would suggest to you that Amos' message shakes the certainty that sin will not frustrate the divine covenant, that God's promises will always overcome the judgment we deserve. We don't talk a lot about judgment, but, beloved, within the household of God, we must talk about the fact that our God is a God of judgment. He does not turn a blind eye to injustices. When we look at this text, we are mindful of the fact that there are those who would read this text and say that the church is to focus on social justice from a moral perspective. Today, I want to disagree with you regarding that. There are a lot of people who will talk about social justice should not even be talked about within the life of the church. That's political. I would suggest to you that this text calls the church to focus on social justice from a theological position. What do you know about God? Who is God? And therefore, from that perspective, what does God have to say about the injustices that we're seeing in our society and in our world? This text highlights the relationship between God and God's covenant people. And God's outrage is directed to a people who are in covenant with God and yet would, quoting from chapter 8, verse 6, would buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. Could it be that Amos is trying to convict the hearts of the people of God to help them to see that because they have systematically crushed the poor and ignored the needy, they indeed deserve to see their sons and daughters fall by the sword? Is he trying to use conviction to help hearts to be changed? Amos decries Systemic exploitation of the powerless and commonplace humiliation of the lowly. He sees the role of public religion in masking the injustices and rages against the way official worship effectively justifies social sin. What have we, as the Church of Jesus Christ, masked? There is a book that the Dismantling Racism team invited the congregation to read, and and, and I will tell you, this book continues to haunt me. It's called The Color of Compromise, and really it talks about how the church has been complicit, had been complicit, when it came to racism within this nation. I, 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 I can't fathom, I really can't fathom Minister Baker how people can go to church on a worship, on a Sunday morning and worship God, and then after worship they go and watch someone being lynched, and then they castrate the person, they cut off toes and fingers, and then they pass them out as souvenirs. I, 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 I can't fathom it. And then they show up next Sunday to worship. The book is called The Color of Compromise. And it's not just United Methodists who were complicit. Mainline denominations were. This message of Amos is that through social sin, the covenant with God can come to an end. God will not continue to ignore God's people's sinfulness. Another message of Amos is that God's faithfulness to the relationship means precisely that God remains just and therefore ready to judge sin. What does it say to a community of faith claiming divine favor and yet living on the backs of the poor that God's redeeming justice is not an offer? It means a summons to a kind of death. It is time for us as followers of Jesus Christ, as the church of Jesus Christ, as the covenant people of God through Jesus Christ, to assess ourselves, to assess our nation, to assess our church. What are we to do? Well, I would suggest to you that um, as 21st century followers of Jesus Christ and as the body of Christ, the countercultural change makers. We are to continue to examine ourselves through the word of God and the person and teaching of Jesus Christ. You cannot tell me that you love God and hate people. You cannot tell me that you love God and ignore the socioeconomic distresses that people are living in, the food deserts that are present, the high high mortality rate here in Indiana. We are to hold our city, state, and nation accountable for the acts of injustices. I don't know about you, but it's easy when we see something on TV and we don't like it just to change the station. It's easy to ignore the truth that comes to us. And I will share with you Evangel Heights Church family and friends in this sanctuary and those of you who are worshiping online. Somebody may be asking, but pastor, what is the truth? It is really hard, isn't it? Because the same... um, article that I quoted um, from Mitt Romney, I I just saw it the other day, that same article that I thought was pretty clear and to the point. I found myself watching a cable news uh, station and they took that same article. They did not deal with the the meat of the article that talks about our no longer living in a state of denial. They focused on the person who wrote the article. What is truth? Who are you listening to? As I've said to you before, it's important to listen to just one news source. Listen to the other news sources that you think you may not agree with. And after you listen, pray and ask God to help you to know the truth. Think for yourselves. Do the research yourself. And don't rely on others to tell you what truth is. And then I would say to you that God's focus is on lifestyle and not lip service. I so appreciate uh, the prayers that Matt offered up this morning. I appreciate all of the prayers that are offered uh, on Sunday mornings by our laity, Matt, in part, said, you know, let us, let us get involved. Let us not um, be lazy. God's focus, beloved, is on lifestyle, not lip service. Yes. Finally, I would suggest to you that this particular text reminds us that we are to be available We are called to be God's spokesperson. Amos was a layman. Yes, he was a shepherd. He also was a dresser of sycamore trees, which meant that he harvested the fruit from those trees, and so he traveled to those places where that particular tree was known to grow. He acknowledged to Amaziah, who tried to shame him because he did not have the credentials of the unofficial prophet, Amos answered him, I I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd and I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. So do not allow anyone to shame you or discredit you because you do not meet their expectations. You are called to be faithful to the God who has called you through Jesus Christ to do the work that God has called you to do. And God sees and keeps a record of injustices. You remember, the Israelites were in Egypt in bondage. They cried out to God and God rescued them. God keeps a record of injustices. I will just tell you, that's one of the reasons why I I do not find myself in total despair when I see lies proliferating throughout our nation, when I see people doing evil, because I know that this life is not all that there is, and there is a divine accountant who keeps the record of all injustices. Finally, continue to intercede on behalf of God's world after we the church clean ourselves up let's intercede I want to go back to 2nd Chronicles 7:14, which was the verse that I placed in my beacon article for this past week God says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways then i will hear from heaven and i will forgive their sin and will hear, heal their land it is the church of jesus christ the countercultural change maker who's called to be the prophet in today's world You, 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 you're called to speak the truth, you're called to stand up and remind people of who the awesome living God is, not someone created in man's image, but the one who has created man, woman, in God's image, called to be a beacon light. the world. Let us pray. Loving and gracious Lord our God, we like to talk about anything other than judgment, and yet we know that not only are you a God of grace, you are also a God of judgment. And so help us as your people to remind all that you long for us to be and to live as your people, that you long for the world to know who you really are. And so help us, the church of Jesus Christ, the followers of Jesus Christ, individually and collectively, to remind the world, yes, of sin, and also to remind them of your antidote for this sin, which is Jesus Christ. It is in his name that we pray and give you thanks. Amen.